When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. And a reminder, you can interact with us two ways. 201-939-4513. That is the telephone number. You can give us comments on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So, we have finally arrived to draft week, Paul. It is draft week, yes, Lance. that's right. I can see. You're it all is up. draft week. Let's go. You should really show your true emotions and not hold back on this program, Paul. It'd be much better if you would be a little bit more forthright. Thankful are my nerves and my stress level because the Giants are picking 25. Not as much stress when you pick at 25. But a lot of waiting, though. Did you take that into consideration? That's never fun. As people know, I don't like primetime games because I go bonkers all day waiting for kickoff. No argument there for me. But but the buzz, the sauce is always bubbling when you're picking in the top 10. But when you're picking at 25, well, A, it means you were good the year before. Sure. And B, it means really you have no control over all those guys that are coming off the board before you. Well, because a lot can happen. Right. Yeah. So there's not as much stress. I'm very But there's calm. a lot of unknown, though, you I'm could argue. I'm very calm this week. I haven't been this calm in a long time. Well, you could have fooled me at the beginning of the show. So to take your food analogy to the other level, okay? Because yes. you said the sauce is bubbling, right, when you pick in the top 10? Did I no accurately quote you? Okay, so then where's the no sauce when the draft starts and you're on the clock at number 25? Is it still in the fridge? Have you taken it out? Has preparation begun? Or it's still in the fridge. You haven't even touched it yet. Actually, at that yeah. point, it's ready to have the cheese spread on it. It's already out on the pasta, and the, just got to spread the cheese on. Okay, so the, the pecorino romano. So the, I use pecorino romano. Yes. Okay. So the sauce is on the pasta. I'm trying to create the yes. image here. Okay. The sauce so is already the, dish. the sauce is already bubbled on the stove. It's now on the plate with the pasta. Yeah, but how many times are you going to cook it then? You, so you cooked the sauce already. You bubbled it up. But remember, we're not ready to eat until 25 No, no, here. the pasta's already been cooked. Yes, I, okay. And now the sauce has bubbled. It goes on top of the pasta, and now the grated cheese goes on top of the sauce. Okay, and when do you officially put it in the oven here, time-wise? What do you mean, oven? Well, don't you have to cook the entire pasta? No, if it's hot. By it? that point, it's hot, and the hot oh, sauce... So the cheese just melts itself? The hot sauce... Boy, your process no, of cooking really no, has me... No, you don't have to melt the grated cheese on top of the pasta. The hot sauce helps. helps so this is a very up. plain pasta is what you're basically saying. It is. It's a plain pasta. I'm a little disappointed. I thought you'd doll it up a little bit. Well, I, ha I, I have had baked ziti and I have had lasagna and I have had uh, baked, uh, baked meat raviolis, which I happen to love. A lot of people like the cheese raviolis. I like the meat raviolis better. I'm just glad that we got all that out because I know the audience was dying to know your entire menu over well, the last few weeks. So finally some event, clarity here on the program. The grated yes. cheese is going on top of the sauce and the pasta when you're picking at 25. It, it, it's a much calmer situation because the sauce has already bubbled. It's, there's nothing bubbling anymore. Well, I'm, just, I'm glad to hear that you've arranged 
the menu and you have the order in as you gear up for 25. But it all what, seriousness. What kind of pasta yes. do you like, by the way? Well, I like big ziti, as you mentioned. Okay, okay, that's good. And so forth. No, I had nothing I'm against. I'm a big guy on penne. I love penne. Sure. Yeah. Big on penne. No, I'm a, a big pasta fan. Okay. You have the thumbs Call up Call us there up with your orders regard. today, folks. Sure, absolutely. You know, if you like to add some vegetables to the menu, too, we were all in on it. But in all seriousness, before we open up the dialogue a little bit more, there is a bit of unknown for the Giants at 25. And that's the point. And that makes it somewhat intriguing, somewhat interesting. Remember, Joe Shane, when he spoke to the media in his pre-draft presser the other week, he said it's a lot different than when you're on the clock at 5 and 7, right? Because mm -hmm. from the front office perspective, when you do mock drafts for 5 and 7, Paul, you have a pretty good idea that one or two of the guys that you really like is going to be on the board. Yes. When you're at 25, it's a completely guessing game compared to 5 and 7. So you really have to prepare for a lot of different scenarios. And remember... The board is going to change because there's bound to be at least one or two trades where a team that you did not anticipate picking in front of you is going to wind up coming in and completely changing the conversation. Correct. And and you see, uh, one of the things that I think fans are excited to, to at least ponder is what are the Giants going to do now that Joe Shane is in his second season? And he talked about how he wanted to revamp the draft room. Coming up on Giants.com sometime in the next couple of days... Dan Salamone, one of the Giants.com staff writers, was actually in the Giants' revamped draft room right after they finished the construction. And he has a very detailed account of exactly what the new draft room looks like. They even have photographs. Now, folks, I'm sorry, but there are no names up on the boards. Okay? Yeah, I don't think they're going to be <laughs> That's not yet. going to happen. Sure. But yeah. at least you're going to get a look inside the Giants' new draft room. It has been upgraded about 25 times compared to what it was. There were no more magnets. Yep. There were no more stickers, no more sliding names or any oh, of that stuff. Oh, it's high tech. It is totally high tech. It is all digitized. There are screens all over over the place. In fact, the one full wall of screens, it almost looks like one of those things you'd see at Best Buy, you know, where it looks like it's one gigantic screen, but it's actually a bunch of screens put together. Yeah, well, there's wall-to-wall -wall TV screens all it's, across the board. And you have seen it? Well, there's going to be video, actually, in addition to photos. I did not know that, well, and because, you, you have already voiced that video, have you well, not? Well, that's a little bit of a teaser. I, I don't okay. want to give away all the secrets, well, that's but part there of, is some programming coming up this week. Part of Giant's that, Life. Yes, that will provide there you go. some video Okay, so content. you and I have both seen the, the visuals yes. of this incredible new Giant's draft room, or war room, And it was will. some undertaking, by the way, in terms of the process for them well, to construct it. the construction was ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, It's cool. I, I just give that as a little hint and a teaser to you folks. You're definitely going to want to check out that article, the pictures, the video coming up on Giants Life and on Giants.com. The, the reconstruction, if you will, of the Giants War Room. Cool stuff. Absolutely. Well, what it is is, Paul, it's a product of how much do we talk about on this program? The game of football has evolved, right? In yeah. terms of yesteryears when you were consuming football and that old school in the trenches stuff and how coaches and teams are far more creative, isn't it natural then for the draft room to evolve and keep up with the technology that now allows the staff from a scouting perspective, from a front office perspective, to have everything at their disposal on a computer screen as opposed to relying on files and paperwork and so forth. So, I mean, I think it's a really neat project. And I think it's another example of the imprint that Joe Shane has put on this organization, Paul. Let's yeah. not forget about that. Remember, mm -hmm. when you have a new GM and you have new front office members, they're going to bring new ideas to the table. And no doubt. And he certainly, I'm sure from what he experienced in Buffalo, and I don't know what the Bills draft room looked like or what Brandon Bean had from an organizational standpoint, but Joe Shane's been with a number of organizations, and like anything else, right, you take a little bit of a piece for here and there in order to now put together what you think will operate smoothly for the Giants. Yeah, for sure. Hey, listen, uh, before I go any further, I'm going to tease something for you folks. I have some potential trades that the Giants could make involving their draft picks. I've been saying for months they will not use all of their picks. They are going to make some deals, and I still believe that. I don't see 10 draft choices making this team. The Giants are too good right now. No, they're not going to make the 53. I mean, it could be a combination of the practice squad and the 53. But I think if they have their druthers, they'd like to make some deals. So I have some combination draft choice deals 
that would move the Giants up and down the draft that I'm going to tease maybe at about 20 minutes or so. I'll float those out there. So if you guys have any ideas about maybe something that might work, you can maybe float that out to us. But I'm going to float that out at about, what, about uh, 15 minutes or so, about 1 o'clock. I've gone through the Giants' draft picks as well as the NFL uh, draft value chart. So I'm not talking about unrealistic stuff. It doesn't mean that these things will happen, but at least they would be in the ballpark of relative value. And I've got some projections, and I will tell you why, and I think it's very interesting to contemplate. Well, on a quick related note to that, Joe Shane, during his pre-draft presser last week, he was asked about the high volume mm-hmm. of picks and whether or not realistically you'd hold on to them or would you look to move. And the one thing that I thought was noticeable about what he said was he had mentioned last year they were of the mindset the more picks the better because they had restrictions from a financial perspective. They needed right? players. Correct. They needed Cheap bodies players too. to not put stress on the salary cap. Right. So you can understand whether or not everyone was going to make the team, there was rationale behind having as many picks as possible, and bringing in young talent. This year, Paul, the mindset's different because you did have extra resources in free agency where you're not looking to now all of a sudden fill a number of spots on the 53-man roster. Now, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't be open to adding additional picks, to your point, but I could see the mindset changing this year where if you want to sacrifice a pick or two, that, that's a little bit more sensible compared to where they were last year. He even said that as Joe Shane, he'd be willing to dip into the 2024 draft to make a deal this year. And I've got one of those scenarios, too, that I'll give you again in about 15. 15- hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. So there you go. Mathematics coming up on the program. We will put together all the mathematical equations and then some. In the meantime, 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter as well. Let's open up the phone lines. We got Hugo in New Jersey gets us going here on BBKL. What's happening, Hugo? What do you got for us? Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Hi. Um, You you know, uh, I I was a bit disappointed in the beat writers kind of wasting management's time over the last few weeks asking questions about Barclays' contract status and Dexter Lawrence's contract status. I mean, here's my big observation, I guess, from uh, the start of the offseason program, what I saw, at least in the pictures uh, you guys posted, was a bunch of the players that I would considered, or I would have thought, uh, would it be more in rehab mode, working out in what I, you know, in, in standing mode. In other words, players who had knee injuries, and they're working out in a way that, for example, doing power cleans that puts pressure on the knees. I saw a picture of Josh Azuto doing what I thought was a pull-up, his full weight hanging from a bar, which kind of suggests that whatever shoulder or neck injury he had, uh, you know, has gone to full rehab. It's really, mm-hmm. you know, but based on what I saw, maybe these players are further along than at least I would have expected. I mean, I saw Shep, by the way. He was he's all rocked up and doing power cleans. Mm-hmm. I'm really, well, remember, really Shep, so- got, Shep got hurt very early in the season, too, let's not forget. He, he did, but I saw Wondell Robinson. I saw, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of players uh, kind of in this workout mode. You would have made a good really old-school journalist. But see, today's journalist wants soap operas and clicks. 
they don't want to ask real questions like what you just did. You're, you're very observant. And quite frankly, it's something that I thought immediately, I can't believe why nobody asked about the status of the guys who ended last season injured for some reason. Exactly. Nobody, nobody asked anything about that. Now, there's things that we know because we're in the building we can't talk about. So unfortunately, I'm not in a position to necessarily help you with that. But yeah. somebody could have asked and they were too interested in the soap operas. Yeah. And, and you know, it speaks to it. Listen, <laughs> medicine's come along. You guys don't have to read that crap if you don't want to. <laughs> Seriously, look, you don't. You, you, Why no, waste it, your time? No, my, look, my point is that you got to hand it to the players, but also the training staff for doing so, what seems to be such a remarkable job getting these guys with serious injuries rehabbed and at least in a position where they can you know, do a fair amount of training right up from the start of the off-season program. I mean, that, that you know, <laughs> I know we're talking about the draft and the improvement we can make from the draft, but remember, last year's uh, draft class essentially got, all got injured, but if they're ahead of plan, you know, that's a huge benefit to the team going forward. So sure, I but I mean, in fairness, you go, it really will tell the true story once those guys get on the field and take part yeah. in actual football activity. So, I mean, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, even with analyzing some photos that you see maybe on the team website, because, you know, everybody's on a different schedule. And I would think the best indicator is if a lot of those guys that you're seeing, if they're available to start of training camp, to me, that would probably be the most encouraging because that's when they start to put the pads on and are inching closer to the season. So that I think is going to be the true tell more so uh, than anything yeah. happens months prior. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right, Thank you go. You. Yep. Appreciate Take care. the phone call. Absolutely. In fairness, though, even if questions were asked about the status they of players, I don't much. think they would have said anything. They may not have said much. Now, that doesn't excuse perhaps just asking it anyway. I get that. But Gotta ask. I, I don't think. And, They're and, obligatory questions. No, sure. But the reason why, just for our viewers to understand and our listeners, most of the time around this time of the year, since it is voluntary, you're not going to hear members of the organization report on who's attending and who's not. No, they won't so, do that. But if they're not going to do that, then why would they justify who's actually well, working out? Well, what they so can't what they can tell you is that because guys who are on rehab are allowed in the building year round. Sure. Okay. Well, almost year round. There's that window between June and July. But for the majority, away. Yeah. But those guys have been allowed. There's nothing wrong with asking about the progress of guys who ended the season nicked up. Sure. In fact, every spring that I've been around, and this is my 41st season, I have heard a media member ask about that. It did not happen over the course of the last two months here. Somehow, that very important, significant question somehow never, never came to uh, the surface. Something tells me, though, I think as we get further into the spring and they actually get on the field and the reporters maybe, maybe. view some well, of those guys. if they guys, watch this show, they'll now know what to ask. Well, I mean, that may be a possibility. <laughs> but I, I think, once again, it's not me defending it. It's just the flow of storylines in the NFL. I think everybody right now is consumed with covering the draft and consumed with, to the last caller's point, Saquon Barkley and Dexter Lawrence because those are two prominent players yep. and those are significant contractual negotiations. So I think once we get to the phase, remember, we're still in the first phase of the spring. All they're doing is yes, we weightlifting. Then you'll get to the second phase. They start to get on the field. Reporters will have access to seeing them. I think you're going to get maybe some questions about the progress of some of the injured guys. So that's at least something to monitor moving forward. Let us move along here and check in with Cliff in New York, joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Cliff? What do you got for us? Hey, guys. Thank, thanks for taking the call. Hi. Um, yeah, I, I'm, still, um, I'm, I'm still working on processing, uh, letting uh, uh, Nick Gates and Julian Love walk to other teams. Uh, do I have it right if I think that the, the calculation is, is that they think they can find guys who will outperform them in their first contract, whether whether it's a first contract from this draft or the guys that we got from the last draft or guys that we pick up between now and the uh, finalizing of the 53 who are still in their first contract. Is that what that means? That they didn't have to pay those guys because they think they can do better or at least as well uh, as those guys could perform in those positions um, in their first contract, where, whereas these guys are into their second contract. Well, the main reason that you move on from a player is that you do believe that you're going to be able to improve your team with the plan that you've got set up. 
Now, whether that means it's one of the guys that's internal, as Joe Shane has already referenced a couple of times in the last month, they've got a number of internal candidates, or they wind up grabbing somebody from the outside, whether it's the draft or or somebody off the free agent heap. And by the way, we do know that there will be another wave of guys cut uh, as we move on through the summer. Uh, maybe they, they got some good intel on somebody, or maybe they wind up drafting a center, which I certainly think is very possible. So, yes, there's no doubt. They've got a plan. Joe Shane and Brian Dable are not naive enough to let their only two, quote, starting-type centers walk out the door and leave themselves wide open with a quarterback who has now become their franchise. Well, there's no way that's going to happen. These guys are not foolish. Well, if you remember, Joe Shane even talked about this, Cliff, last week in his pre-draft presser. He said they had conversations with the front office and the coaching staff, and they went over, if we lose Nick Gates and if we lose John Feliciano, how do we operate? They already had a plan. They have already laid out some of the internal options. They've analyzed those internal options. I'm sure they surveyed the free agency field. They know what's going to be out there in the draft. And, you know, they went through all of these different situations. So I don't think this was a startling development. But to answer your question, you're also weighing the contract offer in fairness, that a guy like Nick Gates gets, and you have to ask yourself, okay, if we match that, can we afford then to prioritize some of the other positions we need to balance out our roster? The money goes into it as much as perhaps if you think you have somebody on the roster or in the draft that could fill in and match his skill set. Now, I don't know how many NFL teams legitimately need a starting center. I have to tell you, I did not do that research. Okay, I'm sure the Giants personnel department has. There are potentially five starting centers in this draft. Now, I will tell you, the guy who I like, who I think will be great value and a bargain if they could get him, maybe you take him in the third round. I don't know if you could wait to the fourth, is Olu Oluwatimi out of Michigan, who was the Outland and the Remington Award winner, played on the the Joe uh, Moore uh, Award-winning offensive line with the Wolverines. I think his... Floor is very high. His ceiling is not as high as the guys like Michael Schmitz or Tipman or Avila, right? Or Weipler. Those are the other four guys, okay? Olu is one of five guys who I believe can be good, solid starting centers in this league. Maybe none of the five will be all pros. Maybe one or two of them will be. I don't think Olu is necessarily going to be an all pro, but I've talked to two scouts not Giants people, but outside the building scouts who have studied him extensively, far beyond my study, and flat out said to me, he won't be an all-pro, but he'll get a second contract and be a starting center in this league for a number of years. He's a really good, solid football player who brings a ton of intangibles. And I think we talked to the Michigan uh, uh, radio yep, fellow on our program, and he was Sam Webb, he was a fan yeah. of his as well. Uh and he's not going to go in the first two rounds. You can maybe get him, in a third, certainly probably in the third. I don't know if you can get him in the fourth. But there are five centers in this draft who potentially could be really solid starters. Again, I'm not talking all pro. We're not talking Mike Webster or Jim Otto here or Dwight Stevenson. We're talking just solid starters. Okay. Well, then getting back to the, then the injuries would, would uh, play into this, the recovery from the last year's injuries. You know, I learned from this show that there's a big difference between an MCL and an ACL. And is that uh, Evan Neal and Izudu? Well, Izudu did not have a knee. Izudu, Izudu had a, a neck into the shoulder thing. Oh, oh Neil, Neil, Neil had a knee amongst other things. There were a number of things that really beat him up last year during the second half of the season, which a lot of people don't even know about. And it's part of the reason why, you know, maybe he struggled as much as he did. Okay, that's good news. And then um, um, who was – oh, Lemieux was a big success story for us for uh, a couple of years, and, mm-hmm. and he couldn't stay on the field. Sure. Is he over his knee pro- – did they notice that he came was back 100% from his knee? Lemieux, Lemieux had, had a foot. He got, he got hurt in the preseason with a foot injury. And then he, yeah. he aggravated it when he tried to come back too soon, and that put him up on the shelf. And now he's had a whole offseason to heal. He is one of the guys Joe Shane mentioned the other day, even as a possibility yeah. in the center mix. Yeah, Bredesen was brought up. J.C. Ossenauer, who they signed as mm-hmm. a free agent for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jack Anderson was mentioned, as well as Shane Lemieux. Yep. Those are the four guys in-house right now that are options. 
and appreciate well, how the. About fo- on the sa- how about on the safety side? You, you, uh, they weren't worried about losing Julian. Well, I mean, they were asked about Julian Love, and we'll let you go on that note, Cliff. Appreciate the phone call. And, I mean, once again, it comes down to money, and you can't afford to necessarily keep every— I think, actually, McKinney was asked a lot about Julian Love, maybe more so than anybody else, when they had their media sessions last week. And McKinney mentioned he's still very close with Julian Love. They speak on a regular basis. But, you know, once again, it's no different than the Nick Gates contract. You weigh, Paul, the pros and cons. If we match that deal, if we put that amount of money aside— who else do we have to then sacrifice as a result of that move? Well, with Pinnock, obviously, and Belton, you know, right there, you've got two young players who are still on their rookie contracts who showed some flashes last year in limited time. They look like that they can be adequate players. Both of them do. And so can you chase Julian Love up the economic ladder knowing that you have two young safeties and knowing that, by the way, you're going to have to pay Xavier McKinney at the end of this season? How much money can you devote to the safety spot? Well, that's Look, what I'm the, saying. The Bills yes. are in trouble. They had two two safeties who were making big money. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. And and you see, that's caused them some consternation now. Though Poyer didn't get as much money, I think, as everybody not. anticipated. He did so not. perhaps that worked out to the benefit of the Bills. Remember, they also brought in Bobby McCain. And I also want to mm-hmm. overlook Terrell Burgess is another guy that we haven't really talked, talked a lot about. We've talked about him a little bit. I mean, he's somebody that at least has some NFL experience. He does. So... They have, once again, just like we're talking about the offensive line, they have volume, let the guys compete, and let see what happens. I mean, I think the appeal of Julian Love is the versatility of corner and safety for Love. So God forbid there were injuries elsewhere, you can move him around. The other players that we mentioned, do they have nearly as much versatility? Perhaps not. But remember, Dane Belton was a fourth-round pick in 2022. Mm-hmm. He unfortunately got hurt early last season. When he came back, he immediately made an impact on special teams. Remember that first mm-hmm. play? It was Carolina. He recovered, he recovered the fumble. Recovered the fumble on yeah. his first NFL play. So eventually, you got to then say, we're going to take... The, swim. Yeah, exactly. Jump We're going to take the, the swimmies off the guy and throw him into the deep end and see what he could do. And I think now is the time for a guy like Dane Belton to truly show what he could do. Yeah, Parcells used to say, take off the training wheels. Well, I'll use the swimmies <laughs> with the pool. And, and unless honestly, you're taking the bicycle into the pool, good luck with true. that. That's yeah. true. And Trenton Thompson, another, another guy one. who Correct. they picked Young up guy. last year, yep. who, you know what? They kept him around and they've re-signed him for this year. Another guy who's going to fight in that safety mix. Yeah, so, I mean, there's volume there. And once again, I think you're going to learn a lot about these guys during the course of training camp and the preseason. Most of these players right now are just names on paper because we haven't seen them necessarily within the giant system. Let's, Quick, quickly yeah. back to that one call, and then I'll get to my trade scenarios after the next call. Uh, Willie Anderson, the longtime Bengals and Ravens offensive lineman who went sure. to a handful of Pro Bowls, he has an offensive line school, and Evan Neal spent almost a week with him a short time ago during the offseason to enhance his techniques because Bobby Johnson and Willie had had a communication and talked about what could he do during the offseason to help himself. And so Neil has gone through some technique uh, improvements using Willie Anderson's guidance as he comes back into his second season. And that's no different. Most guys who are young do do that that during the course of the offseason. I would think that's a generic trend across the league. All right, let's go to Jerome in Charlotte joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Jerome? What do you got for us? Hi, guys. Love the show. Um, Thank you. I I think it was a month ago, uh, been a couple weeks, close to a month, about the Giants will make beat. So it's right on schedule. What, what Paul's about to say, um, I love everything what they've been doing. I know things are quiet, waiting for the um, see what happens in the draft. But I have two questions. Um, I, I really, I, I saw the Army. I think it was Army and Air Force, wherever they bowl game was um, at the end of the. Uh, the season they have, and Andre Carter. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Really like him. And I know y'all talked about him. Yeah, we had an Army spot on. Uh, we did. Yeah. What would y'all say would be the, you know, Giants is really looking for him. I know y'all say he won't go that high, but what would you say the sweet spot would y'all say Third or fourth. No, I mean, he could be a second-round pick. I would not rule out. I mean, remember, we're talking about a guy that has tremendous length and athleticism 
and is a three-down linebacker. So, you know, they don't produce those guys very often. It's very possible he could sneak into the second round. I wouldn't rule that out. Um, do you think that, you know, the, is he too raw for the Giants, you know, that high, or what you think? And um, um, I'll just Giants. say this. I think the Giants have more pressing needs – at positions that will have an abundance of valuable players in the top three rounds that I would not consider Carter a guy on my radar for them. And remember, they did make some moves in free agency with Bobby Okereke, so it really depends on when they talk to Wink Martindale how much he needs at that linebacker spot. How would he utilize the player? Would he keep him on the field for all three downs? Would he take him off? Do they view him as a special teamer? He certainly has the length, I would say, to play special teams immediately as a rookie. Now, all of those are pertinent questions. Well, uh, I, I believe the Giants' first four picks will be uh, three defensive and one offensive. And the offense probably be more of the uh, – the uh, uh, good enough receiver to be considered number one receiver. But uh, I think you know we we really need the help on the defense, and th- and I think um, Carter will be a, a valuable a- asset in the middle of the group. Uh, and I all right, Jerome. Yeah, appreciate the phone call. I don't like to get caught up in terms of they're going to do linebacker, wide receiver, because it's hard to tell who's on the board at Mm -hmm. that time. I mean, I understand people love to make these predictions. I really don't think they have much value and substance. I think it's more of, okay, what are the Giants' needs and where does need match up with value? And once again, I do think Carter is an extremely skilled and talented player. I wouldn't be surprised once again if he does sneak in to the second round. But once again, let's not be naive. The Giants did bring in some linebackers this offseason. And the linebacker position, Paul, in general, is a bit of a convoluted position to discuss in today's NFL because there's some teams they're going to keep a guy on the field for all three downs. Then there's other teams where they'll mix and match. They'll have six linebackers. Some will play first and second down. They'll bring in some guys on third down. And I don't know, once again, what Wink's thought process is with all of his linebackers, but if he figures more often than not, I'm going to put the defensive back on the field, there's not as much value in then using a second-round pick on a linebacker in that spot. Totally, totally concur with you. The only true linebacker, as we sit here today, that I think is going to be on the field all three downs is Okereke. I would agree with you. And I think he is going to do a lot of mixing and matching with the other standard two or three linebacker spots that you might start the game with. So in my mind, you know, I, I don't see Carter as being a fit for the Giants. Again, given their needs, their scheme, and how the draft seems to fall in terms of strengths at different positions. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. So let me give you this quick. Sure. Because uh, I, I want I want other people to get on this. These are potential trades that I could see the Giants using if they're going to move up or down using draft picks. And this is based on the value chart, the draft board value chart that everybody has. Not everyone goes by it. Some people think it's warped. Some people will use it as a basis. But these all come in the neighborhood of the numbers as they as they work out. The Giants could trade a first and a third rounder this year to move up five spots in the first round. In theory, they could do that. Now, will you get a taker? I don't know. But you could move up as many as five spots in the first round. So in my case, if Deontay Banks of Maryland has fallen down and all of a sudden you get to 20 or 21 and he's sitting there and you really want Deontay Banks like I do at 25, maybe you make that move. You'd have to give up a third rounder from, by the way, that's third rounder from next year, not a third rounder from this year. It's a third rounder from next year that I would give up. Based on the point total? Based on the point totals. Okay. 
a third rounder in 2024 plus your first rounder this year to move up about five spots. That's what it's going to cost you. I don't think I would do anything other than that in the first round if I were the Giants. If you want to tell me you want to move back, I'll listen. Yeah. But if I'm going to move up, practical. if I'm going to move up, the only deal that I'd even think about making would be next year's three to move up about five spots this year. Uh, this is all done through the calculations of the value chart, so I'm not picking this stuff out of the air. Uh, third rounder, you could move up approximately eight to ten spots in the third round this year by trading your three and your two fives to move up about ten spots in the third. I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I think that's worth sacrificing. I got another one for you. In the fourth round, if you traded your fourth, your fifth at 172, and your sixth rounder at 209, the trade value chart says, and this is going to blow you away, you can move up about 20 spots by giving up those three picks. Well, if you could turn lower round picks into higher opportunities to grab a player, I think that's an easy decision. Okay, so I would do that. Yep. All right. Another one that's potential. Again, fourth round. Got to remember, the Giants have five picks on day three. So you're not going to be able to do much in the opening rounds unless you trade something out of the 24 allotment. That's why I gave you that one before about first rounder and a three next year to move up about five spots. You could deal your fourth rounder this year and your two fives. Okay. Your fourth rounder this year and two fives. What did I come up with? I came up with uh, you could move up approximately 25 spots in the fourth round this year. If you gave up your fourth and two fives, you could move up about 25 spots in the fourth round this year. So all of these deals that I just gave you, except for the first rounder, are three for one deals, which would take the Giants down from 10 picks to seven to eight picks. Okay, yeah, that's right. Because you're getting one. one back. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I think all of those, based on the value chart, now John would come in here and say, no one's going to make that deal. Well, maybe nobody does in the real world. But based on the value chart, those are all legitimate, rational, logical deals that would not be laughed at or scoffed at. Those are legitimate value deals. And they're all three for one, except the first one, which is a first this year and a three next year to move up five spots in the first round this year. I offer that to you guys. I don't know if you want to move. But those are things that I would consider. Well, I mean, I think with respect to the first round trade, it really comes down to how much in love with a specific player are you. Exactly. Okay? That's what it matters. So if you're at 25 and we're up to the 20th overall pick and you're worried, okay, I don't know if this guy's going to last five. We can maybe move up to 22 to 21. I would say it's worth it. If you love the player that much, it's worth moving up mm-hmm. four spots mm-hmm. to make that deal. I concur. If, though, okay, let's look at a different scenario. And I know we're talking generics, but that's all we could do at this point. If you have five guys you like, you don't love anybody, I think the smart move is you stay at 25. Mm-hmm. And if there's that much volume, and once again, you're in the middle, if somebody wants to move up to 25 and you could back up two to three spots, I'd be willing to do that too. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I I just offer this because I started thinking to myself, I I say they're not going to use all 10 picks. I've I've, I've committed myself to they're not going to use all 10. So I started to use the picks that they have, especially ones later on in the middle and late portion of the draft, and said, okay, what can they realistically do with that collateral? What could they move in a multiple pick offer, and how far could they expect to get? And those are the trades that I came up with based on the value chart. Now, remember, and I'm not saying you were throwing out these situations, but we hear this more often than not. Just because you have a high volume of seventh-round picks doesn't mean you could well, just combine everything, throw it against the wall, and somebody's going to take not, it off your hands. I no, no, I'm not saying you did any that. sevens. No, no, but I'm saying and that sometimes the mindset. And only one of my mindset. proposals included the six. Yeah, yeah. No, w- when you were taking the combination of fifth-rounders and a fourth-rounder, that to be is more realistic for a trade sure. to be consummated as opposed to, you know, sometimes you hear from people, oh, we'll take three seventh rounders. No, it's we'll not convince work. somebody, it's not you know, work. to get back into the fifth or the sixth round because they're going to be enamored with the seventh well, round picks. That, it doesn't work like that. The one, yeah. the one deal involving the third to move up in the third, I'm saying you got to give up your two fives. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's a legitimate offer. 
And anyway, it goes back to how much you really like a guy. Let's mm-hmm. get a few reminders in before we move forward here on the program. The Giants Auto Podcast, you can check that out on your favorite podcast platform. You can listen on the Giants app as well as Giants.com slash podcast. Giants fans, take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. And Giants official connected TV streaming app. It's Giants TV. It brings you original video content, game highlights, on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's head back to the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Tony's in L.A. joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Tony? What do you got for us? Hi, gentlemen. It's a pleasure listening to you. I've been a Giant fan since 68. Well, thanks and, for tuning uh, in. Never... Oh, you guys are great. Uh, you're honest, and uh, I love your insights. Uh, I've, never been... I've never had more faith in management than I have with Shane and Dable. Uh, with their humbleness, their communication, the trust they're building in the organization, and how they're moving, you know, the business forward is, is just great. Um, I love your insights on the draft. I wanted to make two two comments. One is on Daniel Jones. I've been a Jones fan since he got drafted. I know I, I sound like I'm jumping on a bandwagon now, but I truly have. I mean, he hasn't had a line. And when the, the, the throwing mistakes he makes, if you listen to what these guys are saying and um, with Shane is, the receivers are not getting given given him enough separation when he throws the ball, mm-hmm. and that's why when you're looking for receivers now, they're looking for it's not as much size. You always think of a six four receiver. It's it's the speed and the separation, and obviously good running route instincts. So uh, you know you have to catch these things because you're right with the journalists. It's all about ratings and views for their brand and for themselves. You have to read between the lines of what Shane is saying and what they're actually writing. I'd love to get your perspective when you think about what's coming up. You got Lawrence, you got Thomas, you got McKinney coming up for contracts. You guys talk about need and value. I love what you said about, you know, the draft picks and, and, and making some of those things. I think he is going to do that because he doesn't need uh, to, to have the salary cap the way he had last year. What do you think? Everybody's talking receiver and, and all fine and dandy, and I don't know what the receivers they had. A lot of them are on one-year contracts, so obviously they're going to see what they can do. And, and, and uh, what do you think they're going to be doing in the draft? Well... I mean, we, we've tried to tell you that we know what positions on the team are thin. The Giants are fortunate, and I think we agree on this totally, Lance. They're fortunate in that if they want a receiver, the draft has plenty of make-it receivers. Maybe not all-stars, but make-it receivers. The draft has plenty of make-it corners. The draft has uh, a plenty of, of, um, of make-it um, defensive line right now with, with some edge rushers in it. Now, I don't think the Giants necessarily need that. But they but but if they well, wanted to... they had to, some injuries at that position. They've so. had injuries. So yeah. if they wanted to address it for depth purposes, there's a lot of edge rushers in this draft who have a make-it grade. They're not necessarily all-stars, but they have a make-it grade. So the Giants are in good shape. And the other thing is, running back. There's fourth round. Everybody from the combine till now has told me, who knows anything about this draft, the fourth round, you're going to grow a lot of tomatoes in the fourth round. They're guys who are going to be starting caliber running backs in this league. So if you're looking for your eventual Barkley replacement, you're not going to probably get a superstar there, but you're going to get a guy who you're going to be happy with. So I think it's time to look at a developmental running back. And there, there is fertile ground there to get a running back. So they're in great position. There have been other years over the course of the last decade where their needs did not match up with the depth at that position in the draft. And there were times, I'm not going to be honest with you folks, there were times I went into the draft saying, "Uh uh-oh, they're not going to get even half of what they need. This is going to be a really rough deal. I don't feel that way right now. I think they're they're able to go shopping and get the stuff off they need because it's on the shelf. I think personally the positions, and I'm not even taking into consideration the rounds. I think wide receiver is a position. I think that you'd like to maybe bring in another young guy, given the fact that, to the caller's point, there's some guys on one-year contracts, Mm -hmm. so you don't have longevity there. You have some injury history with a bunch of players, so there's definitely room to add an impactful wide receiver whenever it may be. I think there's also a need and room to add a corner, because very similar, Dory Jackson, we don't know the future of him long-term. A number of the young guys on the roster have dealt with injuries. All been hurt. Correct. So 
those two positions, I think, are the biggest priorities. If you were to ask me, look at the roster right now. And I'm talking short-term and long-term. Yes. That's how I, I operate. I don't just look at the 2023. I'm talking about you bringing a guy. We're talking about the next three to four years. Now, there's best, the best value, though, is at corner. Yeah. There are three Depth-wise. rounds of starting corners yep. in this draft. Now, with that being said, though, it's possible, and this was actually one of the statements on our recent Giants Factor Fiction feature online, it was how many corners could potentially be off the board by the time we get to 25. Mm -hmm. It's possible you you could see five corners off the board, and that means that maybe the Giants want to wait, Paul, for that position a little bit later on in the draft because they're not going to get one of the premier guys, I guess is what I'm talking about. Here's the way I approach it. I approach it this way. If you're the Giants, right, and you're saying to yourselves, well, we could really use a top-flight corner. We could really use a potential impact receiver, uh, not necessarily an all-pro, again, because that's not what this draft is going to provide, but but a, a really good receiver. Uh, we could probably really use a good center. Again, we don't know what their plans are at center, but we think they're going to take one somewhere. You know, you could basically say, okay, look, Who's the highest guy on our board at 25? And if that guy is a quarterback, they're not taking him. Okay, I feel pretty safe to say they're not taking a quarterback at 25. I feel pretty good about saying that. All right? But other than that, well, if it's a tackle, they're probably not going to take a tackle either, to be frank with you. But could they take any other position? Yeah, absolutely. You can make a case for that. If the guy's sticking out like a sore thumb, look, I'm going to tell you what. Rodney Hampton was in the top 10 players on the Giants board in the 1990 draft. And they were drafted, I believe, 27th. And they came up to pick. And they're like, how is this guy still here? He's a top 10 guy. He was the only top 10 player on the Giants board that was still there when they got to 27. What'd they do? They took Rodney Hampton. (laughs) Were they happy? Well, and times have changed, of course, from that point so on. Sure. Well, but the point is... But it can the, change things. The sure. point is, if there is a guy who sticks out like a sore thumb at 25, you almost have to take him. Paul, what do you do with Saquon? Do you let him walk? No, 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 no. Here, here's the thing. Saquon's tagged for the year. We've already made it clear. The Giants trust him and know he's going to bust his butt and he's going to come back in 2023, regardless of whether he has got a long-term deal. And he is going to kick tail. He's going to do that. He's going to have a great season. Now, if he comes under the tag, fine. You can tag him again next year if you want. If he comes in and he signs a a multi-year deal, well, even better. But the point is, the point is, you could draft later on in the draft. Again, I'm thinking fourth round, a future developmental back. Now, I don't know what you think about Jay Sean Corbin. All right, I happen to like him out of Florida State. I think he could be part of a rotating backfield rotation. So I would want a guy who's a little more sturdy than he is, you know. And and maybe if if Barkley were to be gone at the end of the twenty three season, if they decided to move on after this year, maybe Corbin is part of a backfield by committee, and maybe the guy they draft this year, a run between the tackles guy would potentially be part of that mix as well. That's how I see their running back philosophy. Well, and Brightwell is still under a rookie contract, he too. Is. You could bring back Matt Breed on a short-term deal, and you could also go out in free agency. I mean, look at the free agent running back market. There's a lot of things you could do. It wasn't, oh, my God, we've got to break open the piggy but bank. But chances so. are, if they could get a fourth-round potential developmental starter, you do that because you get him on the rookie contract sure. have him for, for four, four years. years. Yeah. 100%. No, That's it's, why it's, this is that would not be a bad move for them. Yeah, but, I mean, Tony, getting back to your point, and we'll let you go on that note, appreciate the phone call, there's no decision to be made about Saquon Barkley right now. He's on the franchise tag. So you don't have he, to let him walk. He'll be here week one. Yeah, I mean, that's the point. If after Absolutely. this season, do you have the conversation about letting him walk? You sure. Do. Assuming you, do. you don't have a long-term deal, that's when the conversation comes in. I don't think the conversation right now has anything to do with revolving around do you contemplate letting him walk? Because you don't need to. No, no. And he's not going to walk. He's yeah. going to be here for the Giants week one, opening day 2023. But what you do have to think to yourself is, okay, A, what if he winds up just playing on the franchise for one year? There's the potential that you might want to move on after this season. Well, that's why you draft or, beyond this year. Right. Or if he gets hurt this year. We haven't even talked about that. What if Barkley gets hurt again in 2023? 
Well, now chances are you may not even want to give him the tag in 2024. Even if he's on the tag in 23 and gets hurt in week four, you may not want to tag him again. You may decide to move on. Now, if you've got yourself a fourth-round developmental starter running back that you've taken this month, well, now you feel a little better about that because you've already got somebody you're leaning on and you've already groomed into your system for a year. Yeah, I'm with you. Running back is a practical target this year in the draft, but I wouldn't reach to say let's take a running back early for the sake of taking a running back. I think if you get to the fourth, fifth round, you really like a guy, sure, there's room to add him to the roster. I've got my clusters already in each round of where who I would look at for the Giants. And I've got Bigsby, Evans, and Miller as three running backs who I would target on my radar as potential developmental running backs for the Giants. I don't know if Bigsby maybe sneaks into the third. Some people think he could. Other people think you could get him all the way in the fifth. There seems to be a variety of opinions on him. But Tank Bigsby from Auburn is a guy I'd really like to get my hands on in the fourth round. And again, Evans and Miller would be the other two guys who I would be looking at in that vicinity. Well, Bigsby, you're talking about one of the best running backs in the SEC. You can't go wrong in terms of the conference and the caliber of the competition. But I think overall, we've hit home and we've emphasized that running back is another one of those positions getting back to our conversation. Mm -hmm. I brought up wide receiver. I brought up corner. Running back, you were referencing in terms of the middle rounds. Another position I wouldn't overlook is, and I know you were maybe a bit hesitant, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, is pass rusher because maybe the quality is not there in this year's draft. But I think based on the current roster, remember, Aziz Ojolari has been banged up. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau's dealt with some injuries in his rookie year. I'm, I'm, I'm tickled by it because there are a lot of make-it-graded edge rushers in this draft. Not superstars, but make-it-graded guys. I, I couldn't sneeze if they took another edge rusher. I think there is so it would depend for on For me, it would depend on who they passed up to take the guy. Okay, well, I get that. I mean, listen, you can weigh that with everybody, but I'm just looking at how the roster is constructed. Now, in fairness, you a lot got of injuries at that spot. Correct. Now, you have a young guy in Tamon Fox who showed some nice flashes. We'll see. Is this the year that Ellerson Smith spreads I his know. wings? I okay. know. There's potential there, but we haven't necessarily seen it enough. Jahad Ward, who's a mixed guy, but he was only given a one-year deal, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's another reason why I'm looking at the elements at play, Paul. I'm saying, yeah, there's room to add a pass rusher specialist There here. is room. There is room. So I'd add him. He'd be number three on my I, list. I would not argue if they took one because I I think I think the last time I checked, now I'm just going to go, I, I don't believe that any of us non-scouts, because let's face it, we're not qualified to be scouts. I don't think a non-scout should be making a, a draft board and ranking people by rounds. I think that's being very presumptuous. And I don't think that, you know, that's not our business. Okay. Our business, uh, we try to cram as much draft knowledge as we can in about two or three months to try to give people a semblance as to what's going on. And no matter how much film study I do on 150 players or so, I'm not going to be so presumptuous to make a draft board. That uh, To me, that would be laughable. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to look at our lads, who's a, a service that I, I use a lot. I think they're very, very good and very reliable. Just in looking at our lads, their draft board, they claim there are two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven, eleven edge rushers graded in the first two rounds, Lance. And then another two, four, six, seven in the third round. That's eighteen yeah, edge that's rushers a high value. in yeah. the first three rounds of the draft. Those guys, and I always tell you, three rounds, those guys are supposed to have make it grades, okay? Make it grades. The first two days of your picks, they better have make it grades. That's a lot of guys. Well, that's why I think it's a sensible move to go after somebody. and Maybe you find the player that also has the flexibility to be inside-outside, too. I think that would be a welcome sight for this roster. Because remember, you brought in Nacho. But Nacho's mainly an inside guy. Okay. DJ Davidson is another guy coming back from injury. Inside guy. What if you have somebody who can, like Leonard Williams, be utilized in both spots? I think there's room to add that into the mix. How do you feel about uh, up front Ryan Anderson? Well, he's another guy. Ryder Anderson, to me, showed some flashes last year, and I'm intrigued by him. Yeah. I would put him in with Ellerson Smith and Tamon Fox, right? Those three are in the same cluster where you've seen a well, little Fox bit. Fox wasn't hurt, though. At sure. least he was healthy. No, but Fox is still a small sample yes, size, he is. though, right? Agreed. My, my point is, Agreed. 
I like Fox, and I go back to the conversation I had with Mac Brown last year. Great kid, he by the way. Guaranteed he'd make the roster. And great boy, was he kid, by the way. Yeah, and he really, took really full advantage, kid. gave you some special team stuff. Lot to like about him. But the point is, am I banking on that's going to continue moving forward as the sample size? You don't know. I don't know. You don't You're know. hopeful. So that's why I put those three guys in the same boat. I would rank it this way. Taman Fox, Ryder Anderson, Ellerson Smith. In terms of what I've seen and how good I feel about it, how would you feel with uh, respect to those three guys? I have a lot of a, a lot of hopes for Ellerson Smith, to be frank with you, because he's more of a stand-up guy than Ryder Anderson is. You know, more of an edge guy. Uh, Ryder could even play some three technique, I think. Yep. So it's a little little bit of a different position, a little bit. But see, the thing for me is Ojolari has to bust out this year. Huge year for him. Whenever he's on the field, he gives you something. The problem is he hasn't been on the field enough. And so here's the thing, and, and here's and here's what gives more credence to Lance's thought about taking an edge rusher. If Ojolari were to go down for an extended period of time this year, who do you want starting opposite Thibodeau? Do you want it to be Ellison Smith? Do you want it to be Fox? Do you think that one of those two guys, or do you think that Cam Brown or Carter Coughlin are capable of being a starter at that position and pairing up with Thibodeau to create some havoc? I'm not so sure that's the case. I'm really not. I'm sorry. With all due respect to those guys, I haven't seen enough to prove at the NFL level that they can be a force. I think Ojolari and Thibodeau have to both stay healthy for the Giants to provide the kind of pass rush that they're going to require. And if 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 Ojolari cannot stay healthy, which has been his track record, well, is Fox or Smith necessarily that next guy? I just don't know. And with that uncertainty, if you told me in in, in one of the top three rounds that there's a guy who can definitely do that, I, I I could see you making the pick. Well, and to add to your point, I think if you look at the NFL landscape overall, what separates the really good teams from the rest of the pack? The team that has that third pass rusher, Paul, right? We talk about you want a guy on the left and the right, and you want two guys that perhaps can scratch the surface of 10 sacks. What happens if you have that complementary one that gives you an additional five or six sacks? That's a huge difference, right? Think about it. if you have a player that comes in as a pass rushing specialist. Yeah. He gives you five or six sacks. Maybe those are five game-changing plays over the course of a season, mm-hmm. which leads to a stop on third down, a strip sack. I mean, once again, I'm going through hypotheticals. I mean, that's the difference between maybe getting an additional win or two in the regular season and maybe even getting an extra round out of your team in the postseason. Mm-hmm. The Giants right now, on paper, can you say with 100% confidence and certainty they have that reliable third down specialist? My answer is no. I think they have options, but I don't think if you ask anybody in the coaching staff that they have a guy that they're going to take the pencil and change it into pen. Well, So can you get that player perhaps in the draft this year? I know there's a famous saying that says hope is not a plan. Well, you hope that Ojolari stays healthy. You hope that Ellerson Smith is healthy and shows what he can do. You hope that Tamon Fox progresses in his second year and gives you more of what you saw last season. But that's all hope. That's not for sure. Yep. Well, and I would say if, God forbid, one of those two was injured, wouldn't you say that Fox would probably be the first man yeah, up? Yeah, I think so. A chance? Okay. I think so. But, but to your point, and I think you made an interesting point, as much as we want to say Aziz Ojolari, there's a huge season, if somebody did get hurt, I'd like to see Ellerson Smith, assuming he makes the team, get that chance to really show what he could do now in year number three. Well, that's what training camp's for. Yeah. Earn it. Earn it. That's it. Go out there and earn it. Sure. Yeah, because you could argue as big as this year is for Aziz Ojolari, you could say the same thing. Huge for Ellison Smith, Ellison too. Smith, right? I mean, yeah. you finally want to see him on the field and yeah. see what he could do under those circumstances so you could determine you know, what lies ahead for this roster. So those are some of the key conversations I think worth having with mm-hmm. respect to draft needs and so forth. All right, that is going to wrap up. The latest edition here of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We appreciate everybody for tuning in to today's episode, which is part of Giants Platforms Everywhere, as well as Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, as we'll be up and running on Tuesday with another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.